share with you great truths from small children. How many of you know that out of the mouth of babes, out of the mouth of children, sometimes comes forth great wisdom? And we must be careful that we don't miss it. Number one, no matter how hard you try, you can't baptize cats. Number two, you can't trust your dog to watch your food. How many have learned that by experience? Number three, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. Numero cuatro, never hold a dust buster that's on and a cat at the same time. <laughs> Number five, you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. No. Number six, don't nod on the phone. They won't pick up on it. And number seven, if you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. <laughs> I want to share something. I hope this is not shocking to Ed and Emmy, Ryan and Taylor. But when you have kids... I'm, I'm going to tell you my experience. I, as a parent, I thought that the kids would hit a certain age, like maybe 18 or something like that, and then you just kind of let go of them. But the truth is, I, I didn't really fully understand this until I became a grandparent, and any grandparent knows this. You never let go of your kids. You always carry them in your heart. You always just desire them to just do well. You, you care, when, when, they, when they hurt, when, when, they, when they experience difficulty, you feel it. You can't help it. There's no magic age like 18 where that doesn't happen. You carry your kids in your heart. And I, I, I share that to say that your heavenly father is no different. Your heavenly father carries you in his heart. He loves you. He longs for you to do well. You know how you, you just want your kids to just thrive in anything they do. You know, if they're interested in, in, in whatever their interests are, you know, just, we just want them to do so well, to do so good. And... God is no different than that. When he looks at his children, he loves you. He wants the very best for you. He wants you to do well. He wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to have one, a wonderful uh, experience in the work environment, in the, in the home environment, in, in the, the recreation environment. He wants you to walk in the fullness of his blessings. And I, I think it's important for us to understand that. Because many times we, 
we're so aware that we have blown it. Is there anybody here that's ever blown it? Three or four of you, okay. You, you know, it's, it's like you want to do good and you want to please your heavenly father, but you're human and you make mistakes and you fall short sometimes. And, and sometimes we can think that, you know, God, you know, he loves everybody, but I think he just tolerates me. God, God when, he, when he looks at everybody, but, but you know, I, I must be such a disappointment to him. And, 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 and we can end up with this perspective of ourselves that the enemy feeds into, just feeds into. But it's so not how God sees you. Yeah, we fail. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, all that's left is righteousness, only it's not your, your righteousness, it's, it's his righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he loves you. And he wants the very best for you. He wants you to thrive. Today, I, I want to uh, talk about the importance of community. As we launch into this new year, community, common unity, is so important. But I, I want to begin by asking this question, and, and I'm not asking for an out loud answer this time, um, but just in your mind, th this, this past year, 2023, we've seen God do amazing things. But, but the question I'm asking you is this, in 2023, do you feel like you were thriving or just surviving? Do you feel like you were just thriving? I like that word. Or just kind of surviving from situation to situation, difficulty to difficulty. God created you to thrive. I believe that with all my heart. We don't have to settle for surviving. I want to talk about several things over the next few weeks that, that make the difference between thriving and surviving. And one of those is community. The, the reason that as, as a church we're having an emphasis on small groups is because you and I both need community. We need places where we can talk and, and build relationships with others. God has wired us this way. Now, the dictionary defines community as this. A social group of any size whose members reside in a specific locality. Or in other words, they live close enough together to actually congregate. To, to have physical contact. They live close enough together to have connection. How many of you remember the, when the pandemic hit? 
And I don't know about you, but we, I know that we were not created for isolation. We don't do well in isolation. We need connection with others. That there's something, I, we were, uh, the Jess and I were at Park Plaza yesterday, we were just having a kind of a, a singing and, and prayer and, and Bible verse time. And um, my dad lived there until he went to be with Jesus. And one of the things that I loved about that place and about places like that is that they, they, they have their own apartment, but every meal they come down and connect with each other. And, and because, see, people have a, a social need. They have a need to connect. And, and I love that about that kind of a place is because I knew my dad was connecting with people all the time. Now, I would, you know, pick him up and take him out to lunch, you know, once a week, and we would connect. But he just, he did well in that environment of, of connection. And see, we, we were created for that. And, and during that time of, of isolation, I, I, I feel your pain. I, I've, I've felt like that. It, yeah, a hunger for connection. <laughs> I had a Spanish class that I was doing in the foyer of the church prior to March 2020, and it was wonderful. We had nurses, we had people that were coming and just wanting to get better at speaking Spanish. And then I got back from Mexico, March 2020, and we couldn't do that. So we, we put it on Zoom. And, and Zoom's, you know, it's sure better than nothing. We had a prophetic prayer group that met on Monday evenings, and that went to Zoom. All these things went to Zoom. You know, we would come on Sunday mornings. There were four or five of us that would create the service, so to speak, and make it live so people could watch it in their living room. And you know, that is certainly better than nothing. But I just remembered when we decided, and we decided way before Washington said it was okay. We just said, you know, the Bible, it seems like they, they're allowing anything, any kind of a protest or anything like that. No rules apply to that, but you can't meet for church. And so... Mickey called the, the, the police department and said, yeah, we're going to have a peaceful protest every Sunday morning at 10 in the sanctuary. And she called the health department and, and said, that's what we're going to do. And uh, I just remember af after the, the, that time of isolation about when we first started coming together, I remember the first time we met in prophetic prayer uh, in, in the fellowship hall. It, it just felt so good. Like I'm in the same room with people that have skin on them. And, and, and it, it's, it, I mean, the funny thing is, is my Spanish class on Zoom is still going. And the reason for that is that, that within a few weeks after we started it, we had people from all over the world in that group. Indonesia, Singapore, Japan, Australia. 
And, and I just thought, you know, I'm not going to stop this. This is amazing. But, but it's, it's still not the same as physically being in the same room with somebody. There's just something about community and connection that, that we are wired to, to have. Now, the Bible doesn't actually use the word community. And in a few minutes, we'll look at the words that it does use. But when it, let me pose another question for us to think about. What does healthy community look like? And that's really what I want to talk about, I guess, over the next few weeks. But let me begin with a verse of Scripture today. Oh, I'm so going to need to have you stop time, Samuel. Third uh, John, chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's pray. Father, we just want to acknowledge you and thank you for your blessing on our lives. Thank you for the good things that you desire for each one of us to give us a, a future and a hope. Lord, we thank you that you desire that we prosper in all things and be in health, even as our souls are prospering. Holy Spirit, come. Come today and help us to understand this in Jesus' name. Amen. That you may prosper in all things. Now, we all know that verse in the Bible, but do we really believe that God wants us to prosper? And do we really understand what prosperity looks like? You know, it's hard for me to believe God for something that I'm not convinced is his will for me. It's hard to believe God for healing if we're not convinced it's, it's his will to heal. Faith is based on conviction, something that you believe to be true about God, something that is based on, on what he has revealed to us about himself, that you may prosper in all things. Now, in your notes, the word prosper means to be successful, to progress well to thrive, to flourish, to prosper well. As you progress on this path you are on, walking with the Lord, that things will go well with you, and you will progress forward. Now, when I say the word prosperity, I know that many different thoughts come to mind. You know, the, the, the world's definition of prosperity and God's definition are very different. And, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I, I wanna, want us to make a declaration this morning based on 3 John 2. You know, it's one thing to read your Bible. That's the beginning point. You know, open the book. It's another thing to memorize a portion of Scripture. It's another thing to meditate on it. So, so after you, you've opened your Bible and you're reading, and all of a sudden a particular verse seems to stand out to you, you know, take a three-by-five card and write out that verse, and over the course of the next day or two, 
memorize that verse. Sometimes I'll put it up in my bathroom mirror so that when I'm shaving and, and doing that stuff, I, I can see that verse. And, 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 and after you've got it memorized, prayerfully meditate, prayerfully think about it. And, and see, after that, the next step is to personalize. That, that's really what makes it powerful. So that, that's what I want to do with 3 John 2. You know, I, I can turn that into a prayer that says, Father, I thank you that you desire that I prosper in all things and be in health, even as my soul prospers. Or I can turn it into a, a declaration. God wants me to prosper in all things and be in health just as my soul prospers. Could we make that declaration together? God wants me to prosper in all things and be in health just as my soul prospers. Now see, when I do that, I'm not trying to psych myself up into believing something. I am taking the truth of God's word and I'm declaring it out loud. I'm declaring it over my life. I'm declaring it over my circumstances. Now let me begin to define prosperity from a biblical perspective. But but let me say this first. This is in your notes. God doesn't just want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. Do you have a scripture for that, Pastor Dave? I have dozens of them. Your Bible is filled with them. God wants you to thrive. Now, the word thrive means to prosper and be successful. It means to grow or develop vigorously. I think I may have a slide for that. To, to flourish. Now, now, the word thrive is, is, a, is an aggressive word. It's, a, it's an uh, aggressive forward motion, forward movement. See, God wants you and I to thrive. God wants me to thrive. He wants my marriage to thrive. So let me continue defining prosperity from a biblical perspective. It's the ability to, to tap into God's ability, not just to meet my needs, but to meet the needs of others. See, when I thrive, there is an abundance in my life. That abundance overflows to others. I can't remember who said it. One of you talked about a mind-blowing, what was the prayer request? Mind-blowing, supernatural provision. That's what we're talking about here. And an abundance that overflows beyond us. A person who is prosperous from a biblical perspective is a person that has a relationship with God in such a way that they can tap into heaven, they can tap into the kingdom, the resources of God, not just to meet their own needs, but to meet the needs of others. See, you, you haven't started prospering until you have more than enough. Prosperity indicates overflow. Paul beautifully described this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency 
in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to do this in your life and in mine. And it comes about from his grace abounding toward us. Everything that comes from God comes through his grace. Salvation comes by grace, but through faith you tap into it. And in fact, everything that comes from God comes by his grace, but but it takes faith to tap into it. Grace for, for salvation is tapped into by faith. Grace for healing is tapped into by faith. Grace for prosperity is tapped into by faith. Faith is a conviction about the nature, the character of God. It is a conviction based on what he has said. Does that make sense? God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now we're talking about touching other people's lives. God wants to bring me to the place where you not only have, I not only have sufficiency for, for the, my needs, that, that's where it begins, but, but tapping into God to see not just your needs met, that's, that's the beginning place. But prosperity takes it to another level. You not only have sufficiency in all things, but you have an abundance for every good work. That's prosperity right there. That verse defines it perfectly. This is your memory verse for the month of January. I know I haven't given up memory verses for a while. When you hear the word prosperity, if you're thinking monetarily, you're missing it. You don't understand it yet. Prosperity is the ability to tap into God's ability to meet the needs of others. Not every need people have is financial. So you know, I'm walking down the street, and I, and I see a sick person. They don't need me to you know, open my wallet and hand them 20 bucks. They don't need me to, to just try to encourage them. What they need is healing. They need someone who knows how to tap into the resources of God and release that healing into their life. That's what prosperity looks like in that situation. Or, or let me reverse that. I, I'm walking down the street and I, I run into somebody that hasn't eaten for three days. Now, they don't need for me to pray for healing. They don't need for me to, to just pray for them to be encouraged. At least that's not all they need. They, mean, they need me to take them to McDonald's or someplace and, and get some food in their stomach. Prosperity is the ability to tap into God's ability to meet the needs of others. Or, or let, let's say I'm walking down the street and I run into someone that is just discouraged. Maybe they're, they're not hungry. Maybe they don't need physical healing. What they need is a word of encouragement, a word in due season to lift them out of their current mindset so they can see things from a different perspective. Prosperity is the ability to tap into God's ability to release what's needed in another person's life. So, so please don't limit 
direct your understanding of prosperity to, to monetary things. Now, I, I've hinted around. Let me give you the Bible definition. In your notes, Bible prosperity is the ability to tap into God's ability to meet the needs of others. That's in your notes. When the Bible says that God wants you to prosper, it means so much more than just having to do with money, which is how the world defines prosperity. When the Bible talks about prosperity, it's talking about doing well in everything related to life, that things will go well in every facet of your life, that, that you will prosper in all things and be in health. So, so let's apply this to what we're talking about today. When we talk about this area of community, we're talking about our natural family, we're talking about our spiritual family, and to really understand it, I want to put this label on it. We're really talking about relational prosperity. Relational prosperity is so important. God wants us to prosper in all things and be in health, even as our souls prosper. Do you believe God wants you to be healthy? That he wants you to be in health even as your soul prospers? Do you believe that God wants you to prosper in all things? What is relational prosperity? It's doing relationships well. Where God's grace flows into our relationships and it's really the most important kind of prosperity. It's really the one that matters the most. When you and I leave this planet, we will take nothing with us except the relationships that we have developed. Relationships, kingdom relationships are eternal. The greatest thing that you have, the greatest thing that you possess is your relationship with God. The relationship that you have developed with him over time. And also, the relationships that you have developed with others. Those are the most important things that you possess you know we can strengthen our relationships we can intentionally be about making connections and see that's really what what small groups is about it, it, it's it's meeting at a level where we can actually talk where we can actually open our lives and, and talk about things and, and and in essence do life together the ups and downs both of life walking through that together in community uh, in your notes, relational prosperity is the most important kind of prosperity. You know, it doesn't matter what you have or don't have in the natural. If you are prospering relationally, life is good. Now, I want to say that again. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have in the natural. If you are prospering relationally, life is good. I, I heard a story a number of years ago about a young man. He married his, his college sweetheart right after they graduated. So they got married and, and, and had a family and started having kids and, and life was good. But he had such a drive to succeed and to grow his business. He started spending a lot of time at work. 
And when he was home, he was exhausted, weighed down by all his business concerns. He had little to offer his family because he was spent. He was spent elsewhere. He was exhausted. And, and the thoughts that consumed him were about the business and its success. And you know, in many ways, he was very successful in the natural. His business was doing well. He had three cars and a very nice home. He was, they were members of the Elks and other prestigious clubs in town. But it, his drive for success, it began to more and more take a toll on his marriage and on his relationship with his kids. He wasn't sleeping very well at night, and often he seemed to be angry. Finally, his wife took the kids and, and moved out. She moved in with her parents. She filed for a divorce. In her mind, this was not what she had signed up for. And now this, this driven and successful man, successful at least in the area of business, was coming home to an empty house every night. And it was at that time that he began to evaluate his life. What was he doing all this for? All of a sudden, all the things that he had, the things that, that money could buy, they didn't mean much to him because he, he didn't have his family to enjoy them with. Now, I know you want me to give this story a happy ending, but I can't give you that. At least when I heard this story, it hadn't ended well. He sacrificed his family on the altar of success. He did not prosper relationally. And it cost him the most important things in life. The most important things that you will ever possess are relationships. Relationships with your children. Relationships with your grandchildren. Relationships with your friends. Relationships in, in your spiritual family. When, when, our, when our relationships are healthy, that, that health flows into every other area of our lives. Healthy community is God's desire for us. Now, I, I know the word community is not in the Bible. Wow, is it that late? I think I've taken it as far as I'm going to take it today. Fortunately, Samuel, I've got several weeks to share this. But what I'm talking about is so important. And when we put our values in the right place, it really makes a difference how our lives are. When we value our relationship with the Lord above all other relationships, and believe me, there's all kinds of things that are trying to pull you away from intimacy with your Heavenly Father. There's all kinds of distractions. They're, they're not necessarily evil. They're not necessarily, you know, bad things. But, but designed to pull you away so that you don't have that intimacy with the Father. There are all kinds of things, in, in actually in all of our relationships, 
Every marriage experiences this. You know, there, there, there's life. You're in the midst of life. There's things to do. There's, there's stuff happening. But, but just as you guard your relationship with the Lord, you, you guard your relationship with your spouse and, and your children. And, and, you know, we could go on and on with that analogy. Let, let's stand together this morning. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking at everything I haven't got to. <laughs> you know, maybe we will, Sam. No, go ahead and order a pizza. No, I'm only kidding. I just, I, I guess I want to encourage us to begin to step into the community that God makes available to us. Remembering that, that people are s- just way more important than things. I mean, I mean, it makes sense when you hear it. But do our lives reflect that value? And so I, I guess I want to encourage us. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up. And because uh, I would like to close with the song today. But... I, I just want to pray over us this morning. Is that okay? Heavenly Father, we are your kids. And you are our Abba Father. You desire to bless your children. Lord, help us to understand community. Help us to understand what you are after in our lives with that. We want to please you. We want to honor you. Help us to love one another Help us to love well, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. And Father, as you open doors and opportunities for community, for connection, for for authentic, real relationships, Lord, we just choose to walk through those doors and to step into that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.
teams to come and just be available to pray with people this morning. If you need prayer for anything, get, get prayer. As you're launching into a brand new year, get prayer. Get it taken care of. The benediction I want to give you is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless you, saints. Have a great week.